From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing, and the brand identity theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were looking at me like, what's he about to spell? <laughs> we're excited because uh, it, even though it's like freezing here all of a sudden, we got this massive snowstorm that kind of came through and like five minutes. Oh, yeah, you yeah. see that but yesterday? It's gone, yeah. it's gone now. Yeah. But we are excited because the Eagles have only lost once and we're right. killing it. Are we're you excited? It. Yes, I am. And yeah. I'm also so Kelsey'd up, you can't even imagine. <laughs> nice. I just the love other those Kelsey. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> I started listening to their podcast. It's nice. terrific. Okay, nice. Yeah, they're nice. really good. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, but we're 10, ten and 1, right? Yeah, but you ten, uh, 10 and 1, yes. Yeah. According to, yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. But they keep saying we have ugly wins, but I a know. win is a win. That's, I keep trying to tell people, right? There's no such thing as. It's pretty wins and no, pretty, you know, no. ugly wins. It's W, 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 and we have 10 of them. Thank yes. you very much. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. If awesome. you're in Philly, you're about the Eagles. Yeah, all about or the Eagles. Or the Sixers. Or the Sixers, <laughs> yeah. So we're excited in yeah. this town. Yeah. It's doing really well. Excellent. But you know what else this season is? Not Ooh. only Eagle season. Yes. But it's shopping season. Shopping. And yes. everybody wants to know how holiday season is going, what happened on Black Friday, mm-hmm. and we couldn't have someone who's more up-to-date on yes. the latest information yes, yes. than Suzanne Kapner, who's a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and she covers retail and fashion industries. And she's been writing a lot about Black Friday, about what people are expecting in terms of pricing, and we're so delighted to have her with us. Awesome. Suzanne, hello. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Of course. Yes, we love having you. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, I know you wrote a recent article on Black Friday um, and how that went. Can you tell us a little bit about what your findings were with Black Friday? Well, it seems like it was a pretty good weekend overall. The traffic to stores was a, uh, at a record. More than 200 million people came mm. out, went out shopping wow. um, on Black Friday. And... Um, and they were shopping both in stores and online. But the amount they spent on holiday items was a little bit down from last year, mm-hmm. which um, ties into another theme that we've been watching pretty closely. And it's going to sound weird after all this talk about inflation, mm-hmm. but some retailers like Walmart are starting to use the D word, deflation. Oh. And that means they're lowering means- prices, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're starting to lower prices after all the price increases we've seen in the past few years. Some retailers are saying they've gone a little bit too far and and, you know, consumers have been pulling back on discretionary spending. So some of these retailers are starting to lower prices. Isn't that a good thing, though? I mean, can you do you, <laughs> for consumers, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean right. I mean, no, just in terms of we were so worried about inflation. Isn't it good that the prices are going down? I mean, in terms of the overall economy, or is that I, I don't understand all this. It's good. It's good for consumers. <laughs> it's good for the economy. Obviously, for retailers, it's not as well, good because right, right. you know yeah, a lot of the right. a lot of the sales increases over the past few years were driven by things costing more and not necessarily by them selling more units. So, you know, now prices are coming down and units are not really going up that much. It could impact their revenue. Mm. But 
overall, I think for the economy, it's a pretty good thing. For the economy, it's good. Now, you wrote about something very, very interesting to me about this Black Friday, which is also this move away from store credit cards. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know if people realize how much money... Um, retailers can make in these alternate ways. The, the own, the, they're, it is not the only way that they make money is on margin by selling things. Mm-hmm. The retail media networks, I don't know if you've written about those, but those are a new way for retailers to get some revenue in by selling their data and access to the oh. end users. Mm-hmm. But the other way they've made money in the past was on selling these retail-specific credit cards. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people have really paid much attention to that in the media, but you wrote a whole article about that. Yeah, that's absolutely correct that um, retailers make a lot of money from their their private label credit card business. It's a very high margin business. These are the credit cards, you know, when you go to check out at a store and the uh, cash the employee at the cash register says, hey, do you want to open a credit card? You could save 15% on your purchase today, what what have you. That's the, Those are the cards we're talking about. Mm. And Consumers are just not going for those cards as much as they used to. Consumers want to carry fewer credit cards. Mm. They want to consolidate their points on, you know, a general purpose card, like a Visa or MasterCard that they can use anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and so retailers are starting to take a hit on their credit card revenue. And you also have buy now, pay later, oh, which right. is, you know, this is when you, you know, you make a purchase and you can pay in four or six equal installments without paying interest. So that is also gaining ground and that's hurting the credit card business. Mm. Yeah, we've talked about that before. And do you uh, this buy now, pay later kind of trend, which is a brand new trend. The other thing, you're seeing a lot of movement and a lot of change in this payment market. I mean, I wonder if things like Apple Pay and the ease of, of paying that quickly would affect store cards. Or maybe you could put your store cards on Apple Pay. I don't know how that works. Do you know about that? Well, the true store card doesn't have a chip and they're not really, you know, so um, they're not they they don't kind of transfer digitally the way some other credit cards do. So that is also a a problem. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that they were looking for other ways besides margin. As I mentioned, these retail, not so much the clothing companies, but Walmart and and Amazon make money on retail media network kind of revenues. And so that Macy's too. Macy's also. All of them are getting into it now because they they all saw how much money Amazon was (sighs) making. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they want a piece of that action. Yeah, I mean, I think, and this is a little bit off your beat, but I happened to have taught advertising yesterday in my Marketing 101 class. <laughs> and I think a lot of the advertising dollars, you know, are getting put into these retail media networks or some of the people who are trying to build brand are opening up retail flagship stores. A lot of the digital um, native vertical brands have mm-hmm. been opening up showrooms as a way to you know, acquire new customers. So you're seeing a lot of retail, do- you know, people spending dollars in the retail environment that used to be set, spent in more traditional advertising. Mm. And to me, I don't know what you think, Suzanne, but to me that makes sense because you're getting consumers where they're purchasing. So you're getting it closer to when they're thinking about buying. And I think advertising dollars might be more effective there. Mm. Right. And, you know, Players like Walmart have a lot of data on their customers that they can share. You know, that our customer, you know, they buy, they, the customers who buy Clorox also buy X, Y, and Z brand. Right. And 
that really helps advertisers as well. Which is another interesting point because there's been, there was a move to direct. So the brand would sell direct to the end user and then they would not only manufacture the product, but they'd also control the distribution or the retail outlet. But what you're talking about, an advantage of Walmart or Macy's for that matter, is they're multi-brand retailers. And so they don't just have information about the one brand, but they have information about the cross-elastic among different brands or people's purchase habits across in a category, not mm. necessarily within a brand. So it does give them a big advantage. Absolutely. Yes, that's true. So another story that you wrote about, which I thought you had an interesting um you had an interesting headline. I don't know if you write your headlines or you have a separate headline writer, but it was this idea about it's not a bad idea to procrastinate uh, on holiday shopping. And you were talking about some different signs that you look at to make that prediction, which is like inventory levels. And you look at like how much uh, freight is being carried by the railroads and hmm. all sorts of different uh, kind of trends you were writing about in that article that people might not think of top of mind Mm. when they think about the holiday season. You want to comment a little bit on how you wrote that article and and some of those takeaways and conclusions? Yeah, we spend a lot of time trying to read the tea leaves. And, (laughs) you know, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're we're not. But, um, you know, we were hearing a lot from retailers that they were felt like it was going to be um, less a more subdued season this year than the past few years. And they were ordering less goods from overseas factories. And that was confirmed by, you know, the shipping companies and the shippers like UPS and FedEx and mm. by the railroad companies c- carrying less freight. So retailers were just kind of preparing for a season where maybe demand wouldn't be quite as robust. You know, we looked at some credit card data and delinquencies, uh, consumer credit uh, delinquencies are starting to rise. You know, in fact, they exceeded pre-pandemic levels for the first time in August. Mm. So that set off sort of another alarm bell. Consumers are starting to get tapped out. They've blown through a lot of their pandemic savings. They're starting to kind of tap out their credit cards. You know, now, so far, we have not really seen much of a slowdown in consumer spending. And usually during the holiday season, they find a way to buy what they need. But, you know, it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Consumer doesn't have like an endless uh, budget and they are feeling a bit more constrained and um, you know inventory levels they're they're down from where they were a year ago and that's good for retailers on the flip side for consumers you know you might not see quite the level of discounting that you saw a year ago when a lot of stores like Target were sitting on way too much stuff um, but Again, retailers realize that to sort of get demand going, they're going to need to offer some good deals. And that is really what we saw over the Black Friday weekend. The National Mm. Retail Federation came out with some data yesterday saying that um, I think it was like 55 percent of consumers they surveyed. You know, it was a deal that got them to buy that they were really, you know, they were sort of hesitant about purchasing something until they saw a deal or a limited time offer that made them really pull the trigger. One of the things I thought was interesting about this particular article um, is that, you know, this time of year, all it seems to me, reporters, and I know I get asked a lot, you know, everybody's trying, like you said, to read the tea leaves and to predict holiday sales and forecast demand. And it starts, you know, in September when people start thinking about it and figuring out whether you're going to discount and how you're going to discount. And um, 
and it happens every single year, but every year you have to like make a new prediction. And one of the things that I commented on at one point, we here at Wharton did a little series on this also, um, was just that the past few years have been so hard to predict because every year something different coming out of COVID. You know, first like during COVID, of course, people weren't buying the same things. And as soon as they got out of COVID, they started buying clothes because they hadn't been wearing, right. you know, they should been wearing sweat clothes for a while. And then the year after that, everybody was spending more money on travel because they had cut back on travel. And so typically when you look at forecasting, you're going to look in the past, but the each year has been so unique. And what I thought was interesting about the article that you wrote, and I'm curious how, how you thought about it, was like you were kind of a detective and you were looking at all these other things that could give you some insights. And as you mentioned, you looked at inventory levels and you looked at railroad. The other thing you wrote in that article was you also looked at um, holiday job openings and how much people you know, oh, were hiring. And I guess during this time of year, there's frequently a temporary workforce that comes in to handle the holiday rush. And that was another thing that you were looking at. And people were saying that there was less, you know, fewer jobs. And I'm just curious, like how you put together this list of stuff. And, right. you know, is that something you look at every year? Or were you doing it this year, partly because it's a little bit harder to predict? Mm. You know, um, we, we, um, we have lots of data that you know, crosses, you know, lands in our inbox. And sometimes it's kind of hard to weed out what's important, what's not. But, um, you know, I'll sit down with my colleagues and I have a colleague who covers the shippers and, um, you know, another one who writes a lot about staffing. And so we were really just talking about some of these things. And someone would say, oh, well, hey, the staffing companies say there's not a lot of holiday hiring. And the shippers say that there's fewer, you know, less cargo. And we kind of just started putting the pieces together mm. And, um, you know, we thought these were some compelling points that we should kind of look at a little bit more deeply. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of it makes so much sense. It kind of it's kind of like something that probably you should look at every year. You know, right, I mean, right. to kind of and it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing here because if the retailers are anticipating a slower season, then they're going to hire fewer people. That may or may not right, be right. Right. And also, right. when we came out of COVID, we had all those supply chain issues, and that started one business. I remember because of the supply chain issues, one season Target and Walmart. You know, they overbought for inventory and then they had bloated inventories. And it's kind of hard to predict these things in real time. So I don't know, you know, which comes first, you know, the retailers' predictions or these events that are kind of telling you, you know, what's happening. I don't know yeah. if you've thought no, about that. No, it's been hard to predict because even on the hiring, what I, one thing I heard was that the reason there are less, fewer holiday hires is because during the pandemic, it was hard to find those temporary workers. So retailers, sort of change the structure of the job to hire more, um, you know, give more hours to fewer workers. Ah, so it's like these are not apples to apples comparisons because, as you said, the last few years have been so unusual. Yeah, so it just makes predicting this. But it's ha it's good news that, like, your most recent article says people, you know, the spending was strong even if they're more value conscious. One other thing I didn't notice in your articles, and I'm not sure if you got the data on it, was something that we talked about with holiday shopping is that frequently people buy for each other. You know, buy gifts, obviously, that's what the holiday is about, but... When they go shopping, they find stuff for themselves to buy, too. Mm -hmm. And so some of the holiday shopping is not just gift-giving, but it's self-gifting. And I wonder yeah. if you saw anything in those trends. Is that something that you can record or you knew anything about? 
Well, stay tuned because that is a very good question. And there's, you know, some reason to believe that self-gifting may be down this year, but it's mm. a hard one to figure out because, you know, when people buy something, right. they don't report whether they're buying it for themselves or yeah, for other true. people. That's so true. It's hard okay. to get the data on that, but it's something we're looking into. Yeah, that's a really good point now that you mention it. I wonder how people did know whether I was buying that for myself or <laughs> for my friend. Because I have seen people speculate about that. I guess maybe they do surveys. Yeah. And anyway. I'm guilty of buying gifts for others and deciding, you know, I really like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. yeah, me too. Who yeah. knows what I say when I answer the question and then what I actually do. That's the problem with surveys anyway in general absolutely yeah well anyway it's as always it's great to have you you always have such data and database answers and Mm, uh really interesting stories that you write on about retail so suzanne where can people go to find out more about what the wall street journal and you are reporting well, uh, WSJ.com is a great place to start. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and we hope to speak with you again soon. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays. That's all we have time for today. We'd like to thank our producers, Dion Simpkins and Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and we replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SX. Oh, not Twitter. X. You can follow <laughs> oh, us <dear>. on X. <laughs> uh, we can see yeah, that's right. Uh, At SXM. This is too Damn it, Elon, you screwed us up. <laughs> What's our Twitter handle? Yeah. Our, our X handle, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. SXM Marketing. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business. Or you can go to our Wharton Knowledge at Wharton website mm, yes. and see all our Wharton podcasts. And we're one of them, the Wharton Marketing Matters. So come and look, not only for this show, but for all other shows that we have there. Uh, Thank you all for listening today. Um, We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.